On this midweek roundup, La Liga comes back with a bang. It's all about the cup, and we preview the main storylines in the world of football. Full-time roundup starts right now. And welcome into the latest edition of the Full-Time Roundup, first episode of 2024. Matt Gesslin here, as always, joined by Daniel Brackett. Daniel, welcome to 2024. I hope you had a great evening capping it off. I know that you mentioned on the last episode that we're trying to go 27 and a half days sober. I'm curious if we're still following through with that, but either way, Welcome to 2024. Welcome back to the games. Of course, the game never sleeps, and we have a lot to talk about here as well today, per usual. That is true, and it's actually dry January. Big difference there, um, but it is going well so far. Um, we'll see after uh, after two weeks in with some weekends and friends texting about playing we're getting there we're getting how how well that goes i I, i'm locked down this weekend so i i'm not gonna have to think about it but next weekend is when the the challenge starts i actually my buddy decided to do it with me we made a a 25 dollar wager on um if you break it then you owe the other person money so now i have some financial interest as well so i'm not gonna lose that one um but we'll see i guess anything can happen here um, but glad to be talking uh, some soccer with you. It's uh, not a shortened week, but a, a lighter schedule, so we can get to more storylines today than just a roundup. And uh, do you just want to hop right in? Absolutely. Uh, and, and just a heads up, too, as, as I mentioned, uh, 2024, New Year, um, there will be some new elements and new new segments that we have throughout the, the show here sprinkled in. Again, as Daniel said, it's a, a lighter week, so I'm uh, probably going to continue just the traditional flow of things here, but uh, just a, a lookout as we start progressing and, and had a great year um, in 2023 with, with all you guys. Thank you for listening to us. But uh, of course, show and everything as in normal life evolves, and, and so will this show going forward. But as Daniel mentioned, jumping right in, of course, there was two Premier League games to start the, the season, uh, the new year, excuse me. Um, of course, the big one, Daniels Liverpool, uh, started us off right away, New Year's Day. What were your takeaways from this? A big 4-2 win against Newcastle, um, who who have been struggling. But Daniel, how do you feel coming out of the gates, right out of, you know, right out of the break with a win to start things off? It was a demolition in live time. Um, I don't think the scoreline reflected that, but. We just were all over Newcastle other than a couple minutes of the game. Um, and the scoreline didn't really properly reflect what the performance was like. Uh, concede off a, a bad giveaway and then a, a corner, but we created more chances than I've seen in, in a very long time. Um, you know, with an XG of seven, which is the highest ever, I think, in the Dumb Premier stat. League. Dumb uh, I don't care. Um, but, you know, you you have four goals scored with a missed penalty and Darwin Nunez missing five sitters. So, uh, you know, you'd like to hit, have Nunez hit those right before Mo goes to, to AFCON, but, you know, um, and Indo with a great performance. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I'll take a win here and we it's a good uh, propellant into, uh, you know, Sunday as we play uh, one of the better teams 
that we'll we'll face this year with Arsenal. So not really that worried, but um uh do you want to get into you know Liverpool and how they're gonna fare or do you wanna wait and save that till till later? No, I mean, I think it's important now, especially, you know, the win gives them a five-point cushion atop the table as well. Um, you know, I think you mentioned, um, well, not a five-point of, of everybody, but five points clear of, of Arsenal and, and City, who I think we both agree are the, the two rivals that are going to give them the, the toughest match. So a big, a big one right out of the gate to get that win. Um, you mentioned, you know, Nunez missing some chances, which I think is of course the place we have to start right especially with everything that's going to be going on here um and we'll we'll allude to and get to some of the big impacts of players going to afcon and the asian cup um shortly but i mean where do you stand on this are you that are you concerned now because this continues to be a, a problem for darwin nunez uh, you know he he shows off and, and scores these golosos but then can't find the back of the net for very simple tap-ins as a striker. So how do you feel going here? Of course, Endo is going to be gone as well. Um, who's, who's, you know, he's, he's come in and been very um, serviceable. He's gotten up to speed. I think he's not really going to be, you know, the guy in that midfield when, when um, McAllister's back, but he, he's done a good job and, and kind of starting to fit what Klopp is wanting from that player in that position. So, you know, what are your takeaways, I guess, as the Liverpool fan, are, are you concerned with Mosala going away and, and, Really, what do you think is a is a fair result going forward? Also, just want to point out that Arsenal match that you mentioned is a cup game, um, so not a Premier League match, so a big difference there. But you still want to win those games as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be completely insane if I said that we'll have no you know repercussions to Mo Salah leaving. The good news, oh, uh, the good news is that um, you know Jota's back to fitness, Luis Diaz looked like honestly our second best player uh last week i think he's the best player in tight spaces and we're going to need him to keep working this magic with you know the defense not thinking about mo on the other side uh but the there is a nunez conundrum because he gets the most chances out of you know anyone in the premier league it seems he's missed the most chances out of anyone as well other than i think nico jackson's right behind so something we can relate about here um but the fact that he keeps getting in these positions, he still has double uh, figures and goal contributions. Um, I mean, his his assist to, to Mo was, was a solid one. And he, he doesn't seem like he ever loses confidence. So uh, it's I think he's going to come good, and this is the time for him to prove himself, and I think he knows that. So I'm not worried. I think, it, I think it's one of those things where when it rains, it pours. So – if we could get him like one goal early, like it say he scores against Arsenal, I think that will propel him on for the next coming months. It's just about getting that first goal. And and it's not like he was missing, missing, you know, he wasn't skying chances. Like Dubrovka also made some insane saves, like the one off his kneecap point blank. Like there's nothing really he can do about that. And Dubrovka just pulled the goal out of his ass. So, um, He's not missing by terrific margins. I still believe him as a player, and I, I think he'll definitely make up, you know, that price tag that he cost us, and he'll he'll spur on our uh, title push. Definitely high praise. Um, I I don't feel as confident. We've talked about this um, 
in, in texts back and forth as well the last couple of weeks. And so I'm just curious to see how, how he fares. Um, he is now the main guy. There's no doubt about that. There's no sugarcoating it or, or looking around. He will be the focus uh, attacking wise for Liverpool. Of course, he'll have a lot of help with him in, in Diego, Diego Jota and, um, you know, Cody Gakpo there as well. So, so definitely have some um, pieces um, that'll help out, but the, the you know the premise and onus is going to be on on him to put the ball in the back of the net and will he be able to deliver only time will tell we'll find out here soon enough and uh, you just hope for for his sake uh no one wants to see a player you know have a, a bad spell and, and so you hope he he does well but on the flip side of that daniel because we covered a lot of liverpool in this game which i think was um you know again rightfully so with them being atop the table uh, newcastle um who really i think we can almost say right now that they're in free fall uh, they've lost four of their last five. They have Manchester City coming out of the break as the next Premier League game. Of course, there's cup games um, in between that for FA Cup that will pause the Premier League for this week. But um, where do we stand on Eddie Howe and, and Newcastle? We've talked about we felt like Eddie Howe was safe. I still kind of feel that way, but things are getting really, really dire up at Tysdale. I think I said that um, if it turns into seven, defeats or close to it within like eight matches i would see maybe they part ways with them and i actually saw that the girona coach was was linked today with that job if they decided to move on from eddie howe i don't think that would be fair to eddie howe but you know a manager has to you know perform with what the pieces he's given i'm sure they'll dip into the market a little bit in, in january and that might give them some reprieve um but we haven't seen anything early, so we'll, we'll kind of see and, and monitor that situation. But I, I don't know; they'll. I think they'll be able to be okay at some point. But if they got battered, like battered, battered by City, uh, I don't know. You, you could see his way out. So that's that's a tough, just tough question. But uh, I'm excited to see what the answer is with those new owners, and that'll be their first firing. Uh, so you know, it's hard with no track record. It would be interesting for them to go after the Girona coach. Of course, Girona, maybe the story of the year right now. There's also potentially another manager that we can get into um, as we'll talk about it here a little bit in the next uh, league that we'll focus on. Um, some news coming out of Madrid that may change things for for a particular manager in Germany. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Could, could they make a move for him? Um, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But of course, Daniel, while there was plenty of goals in this Liverpool Newcastle game on Monday uh complete opposite um on Tuesday uh West Ham and Brighton played to a scoreless draw David Moyes special uh at home you know at the London Stadium we talk about nap games quite often on this show primarily for La Liga or Serie A excuse me this was maybe the ultimate nap game um, in my perspective. West Ham just packed it in. And basically from, I would say, the 30-minute mark inward, they had no desire to go forward and make this an open game, which was very surprising for me. I don't think it was that surprising. Uh, a couple hours before the match, it came out that Paqueta and Kudus would not be playing, and their center back, Aguerd. Um, who will be out on international duty as well. So when I saw Kudus and Paqueta out, that immediately made me think, okay, well, there's going to be no goals coming from that West Ham side. So it was really up to Brighton, and Brighton's not exactly healthy themselves. It was kind of a hospital versus hospital match at this point. So kind of foresaw that to be a really boring match. That's why I did not really tune into it. Um, but 
I don't know. I mean, I feel like that was a pretty fair result and both needed at least a point in, in this fight for, for top five and they both got it. So at the end of the day, I think no harm, no foul. Yeah, of course, uh, sixth and seventh place respectively. So that was a pretty big matchup there for, for one of those two teams and they get the draw. I think, um, if you're, if you're West Ham again, continuing to keep your place ahead of Brighton in this instance, I think maybe you're a little bit more pleased with the point. Um, as a neutral, that was just one of the most difficult games to watch, to be completely honest. It just felt like, again, like you said, you know, they West Ham was never expecting to get a point or to go for it and, and kind of steal the three points. We've seen them time and time again, at least offer something on the counter or have some moment uh, in a game. And, and that, that really wasn't the case here. And, and again, I mentioned that this is the David Moyes special. He's notoriously good at, at just packing it in, playing, you know, almost two lines of five um, in some fashion. And, and you saw that here in this game where when the ball was in the Brighton half of the field, uh, it was really, you know, three up top kind of pressing lightly and, and, and seven behind the ball. And then it never really kind of expanded any more than that. So it just felt like David Moyes set this one up from the start. And um, you just wonder, you know, long-term if he's going to be a good fit for the Premier League and, and kind of for West Ham, can they continue to play this way and, and really kind of make any headway going forward? We've heard, you know, he hasn't been re-signed yet after arguably one of their best seasons in a long time, winning a, a trophy and, and being in the top six right now. So you're just kind of wondering why he hasn't, we haven't heard anything about a new contract. Is that um, something that the team is just not thrilled with the way he's playing, even though they're getting results. So just something to keep an eye out. And, and again, this is how David Moyes has been for a very, very long time. Nothing new here. Uh, and it's just, it's just curious to me, you know, where he, he ends up long-term. Yep. To, uh, to go from the the cold, cold, cold atmosphere to England to the sunny beaches in Spain, not so sunny right now, but um, as a little contrast, uh, we did have some Liga matches this this week. And to start out, we'll we'll start out with the uh, the title race here. So Madrid scraped by; they score a I think it was an 80, 80th minute on um, winner by Rudiger. Uh, you know, they needed that. They were pushing hard. Brahim Diaz missed an absolute sitter right before this goal happened. And you could see how much it meant to the, the Madristas getting that goal at home. Um, and, you know, you, you texted me and they get healthier. Vin Vinicius Jr. goes and, and gets more than a half of game time. Rodrigo is surprisingly back. Um, and then they rely on the old boys with with Cruz and, and Modric in the midfield and Chinami. Uh, as a center back, which he's proven that he can he can be very versatile. So, you know, it's still uh, a very thin squad, but Carlo Ancelotti, the Don, gets it done again. The Don does get it done again. He, of course, signs a new contract as well. We alluded to that a little bit earlier, um, signed until 2026. So, unfortunately for Brazil, that looks like that officially is over as a potential option. You mentioned them getting healthier as well, I think. It's still going to be a tough one for for Ancelotti and this squad. They're not going to have their full roster. They they mentioned earlier in the window, or not in the window, but leading into the window, that they are not going to make any signings in January. I find that a little bit hard to believe, especially with Copa del Rey and Champions League still on the docket. Once those two leagues come back and, and start adding to their you know their already full plate of La Liga, um, it's going to be interesting to see just how long 
this squad can can keep it up. You know, we've seen it with with Newcastle um, and and just what the the injuries can do to you there. Of course, I'm not comparing Real Madrid and Newcastle um, by any stretch of the imagination. One has done this countless times. The other is is just finding its way. But um, injuries and and you know play and and how many minutes these guys can play. We've seen it all across Europe, uh, all across the world, really of late where, you know, little injuries, mainly muscular that you, you kind of pin to, you know, just tiredness um, or, or a lack of ability to rest and, and kind of, you know, get some some new life and blood into those muscles and, and you get another injury here or there. So it will be interesting to see what happens to Madrid going forward. Of course, they keep pace, <laughs> uh, which is hard to imagine that that's what we're saying uh, with Girona. Daniel, uh, both sit atop the table at 48 points, 10 points clear of Atleti and Athletic Club. Of course, Barcelona get a huge, huge win. We'll talk about that in a second here today. They just wrapped up as we were we are recording this. Um, but the big story for me is Girona. I think the big story for you has been Girona as well. They continue to get results, beating Atleti at home in a thrilling game four to three daniels this team for real i mean we're at the halfway point now um for la liga 19 games played can they do this i mean i think so months back when we we just started the show girona were hot they played madrid and madrid absolutely battered them and we're like okay maybe you know maybe this is a fluke but they can't do it against the big teams uh, around them and then they go on and they beat Barcelona and then they beat Atletico Madrid. And these are two of the best teams in Spain. So, yes, they can do this. They they very obviously can. And they did it with not a B lineup, but, you know, they started Pablo Torre, who hasn't gotten many minutes. They didn't start Yanhel Herrera. Um, they're, they're tricky Ukrainian winger. Uh, I can't pronounce his name, so I won't even try. Did also did not play. Um, so yes, they can, and, and it's kind of like shabby ball a little bit, where you just plug and play, and the team doesn't really change, and that's what we're seeing. And you know, Michelle is going to be the hottest name, hottest name on the market right now as a coach, other than Shabby Alonso, probably. So be on the lookout for him to market himself as for the next job i think he will stay with girona for the rest of the season i think that would be really stupid if he left um but you know guardiola's brother came out and said look we're really happy with michelle and uh if michelle wants to take that next step in the summer we are not going to stand in his way he deserves it and i mean he this is a coach that brought them up from the second division he's been you know he's one with the girona fans he you know goes to his next door neighbor and, and hangs out with them to speak and learn Catalan. Like this, these are kind of the intangibles that you can't see, but these are kind of the little things that make a manager great and get the team to buy in and as well as the club. Yeah. The only thing I have, and it's a great story. I think they'll, it's a two horse race at the top. I think Barcelona getting the win today helps them keep in touch, but seven points behind is, is a lot, especially the way they've been playing. We'll, we'll touch on them here in a second, but I think, you know, the one thing that concerns me from from Girona's perspective is just the way that they play defensively. We've talked about it before, where they they give up goals, they have to score five to win a game, um, or four four goals to win a game. Of course, this one came in the 90th minute. You know, a, a, a out of nothing kind of 
little cheeky chip that probably was not intended to go in the net. Um, you're looking at a team at like Atleti who are not exactly the most firepower offensively historically, and they they dismantled that defense. I think you know after the half they could have scored three goals just in the first ten minutes of the second half, honestly. Um, so that's my only concern. And, and then you add that on top of the pressure that will eventually come for this squad being you know such an underdog and such a team that is not used to this situation. Although you have players like. Um, you know, Eric Garcia, who's been around the block and, and daily blend and, you know, players that have experienced it and, and been at the highest level. But again, you're looking at a different type of pressure at that point. So it will be interesting for me. I think Atleti are officially out of this race. If you're asking me as well, 10 Agreed. points clear now, and they just continue to drop points, um, against teams that you would drone, of course, being a top table team, but you would still expect, Diego Simeone and his men to, to get a result here and, and give up four goals um, for a team that is so predominantly focused on defense is, is really disappointing for them. So um, an interesting an interesting time. Of course, he just signed a new contract as well after a lot of rumors that he was on the way out. So it will be interesting. And then, of course, the, the, the last team that we want to talk about here in, in the big the big four, if you will, uh, is Barcelona. And, and Daniel... We've talked about this. You've donned them as the super squad of the year. Um, long time ago. Long time ago. Uh, what is happening to Xavi Hernandez and Barcelona? They needed a late penalty from Ilkay Gundogan to get the three points here against Las Palmas, who are not that good. You know, you lose Jao Cancelo in the first half with an injury. We'll have to find out how severe that is. This is, this is starting to look like almost the end for Xavi Hernandez, is it not? Well, not with the not with a win like that, but it's definitely concerning. Um, unlike Girona, Bayer Leverkusen, it is not a plug-and-play system. They, he's been depending on the brilliance of Pedri, Gavi, all these players, Both Lewandowski, who who has been awful, a shell of himself since you know since uh the start of this campaign after they won la liga last year so and now you have Kinsella uh with getting subbed with an injury so that's gonna really hurt their attack um maybe this this late stoppage time winner uh will buoy them to to kind of bounce back here but again uh, a common theme here they keep conceding early and you cannot win titles when you concede early so i don't i don't I find it hard to believe that Barca will not be patient with Xavi, but obviously if things keep going this way, it's hard to imagine them to not, you know, move on from him or I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I guess how, how far do they have to go in the Champions League realistically, you know, and maybe Copa del Rey, you know, both of those tournaments. I, I Again, I'm not... The race is not officially over for them. You know, there are a lot of games um, still to be played. They, they have El Clasico still to play. At, you know, they'll play Girona one more time. So that's six points if they can win both those games and, and get that, you know, but with other results, uh, get that down to maybe a point. But let's let's be honest, it's probably not going to happen in La Liga for them this year. So we're, you're looking at Copa del Rey and, and Champions League. I said, you know, how, how far do they have to go for this season to not really be a failure after – a pretty big, you know, a big comeback year for them last year. Well, I'll tell you what the biggest coach killer is for a Barcelona or Madrid is losing El Clasico. And that is on April 21st. So it's pretty late in the season. So if he manages to survive till then, still not doing too hot, 
and then they get battered by Madrid, that is when you would see, you know, him see his way out. But you asked me about knockouts. I would say at least past past the round. I can't remember exactly who they're drawn to at this moment in time. I'm gonna search it up real quick. But I would say at least get past the first stage. If not, they play Napoli. So they should get by Napoli. And if they don't get by Napoli, then see you later, Xavi. But I, I would imagine that, you know, semis, maybe quarters would be acceptable. I don't think anyone expects him to win it. So I, I wouldn't be that shocked if if they're, you know, were patient with him if they got past Napoli. Yeah, you'd have to think that the club has at least earmarked quarterfinal from a financial standpoint, um, especially given everything that they have going on as a club there. So you'd imagine that he's going to be, you know, focused on that at least. So like you said, got to beat Napoli. Um, you got to at least get to a semifinal of Copa del Rey, in my opinion. Um, if you lose, like you said, both El Clasico's this year, that that's really going to be a problem. So um, we'll keep an eye out for for Javi, and, and who knows, maybe they can turn things around. They 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 do have injuries as well. You mentioned, you know, of course, Gabi's out for the rest of the year. Pedri seemed like he was coming back and, and then does not play today. So interesting to see what happens there. But um, it's a, it's tough times in Barcelona after, you know, winning the league last year. And um, you're looking at a surprise team like Girona uh, that's in, you know, in Catalonia, uh, the neighbor, the noisy neighbor, essentially. Um, and, and how will that impact things um, at the camp now? So we'll see what, how that goes. Moving down, though, of course, the impact of not only the Barcelona result, but the game against um, Girona is that Atleti now are sitting in fifth place, Daniel, which I didn't think was possible. Um, Atleti Club Bilbao have moved up. They win today against Sevilla, who have been absolutely abysmal this year and for the last couple years. Um, it's unfortunate to see. Of course, we've talked about them and how strong they are in, in Europa League, but in the domestic league, they just cannot find their footing. They lose again. And like I said, uh, Bilbao jumps Atleti, uh, a big surprising result here. And one that, you know, you were pretty high on, on Atleti club. Uh, I think they were your fourth place team, if I remember correctly. Um, so you're looking pretty good right now, but obviously time will tell. Will, will Girona keep the pace and, and stay up there? Um, but either way, a, a big, a big result for them. Absolutely. So, Glad uh, them they're making me look smart. So as long as they every keep now up, and then, every now every and now and then, happens, you know. sometimes you just got to see the ball go through the hoop, right? So I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. But not much commentary on that match. Uh, you kind of you did a good job covering that. But uh, I want to switch really quickly to Copa Italia. Um, I know that not that many of our listeners probably follow the Copa Italia, but you know it's always for the cup. So we at least got to mention it. So the the new matchups. For the next round are Atalanta, Milan, Bologna, Fiorentina, Lazio, Roma, which is a fantastic uh, Rome, Dar Rome derby. Yeah, I said that right. Juve, Frosione. Uh, I'd love to hear your prediction for the Copa Italia. Oh, boy. Um, I mean, as far as this round or winner of the whole thing? Because for this round, doesn't really Let's make do this. much Rapid fire this round. All right. So Milan probably wins that matchup against Atalanta. Fiorentina probably beats Bologna. We've talked about Bologna. They've, they've had a little bit of a slip in the league. Uh, give me Jose Mourinho and Roma in a tournament. No doubt about that. I'm not even going to think about Lazio in this instance. Jose is a master when it comes to knockout competitions. Um, Juve will probably win this one, although Allegri Ball, we've talked about it, puts me asleep. As does Jose's play, but uh, you know that's neither here nor there. 
if you're asking me for a winner of these teams, because these are the last teams left in uh, Copa Italia, uh, probably going to be Juve. Um, I think Juve is fine. They have obviously the most talented roster of these remaining teams uh, and, and one of the better managers. So depending on the draw, of course, we, you know, this could end up, you know, Roma versus Juve again, like we saw in the league last week. Um, but yeah, I'll take Juve as my winner for, for Copa Italia and a big, we talked about a, a big statement for financially for Barca previously, that would be a big one for Juve who've had their struggles as well, um, with, with financial fair play and, and, uh, punishments from, you know, from the league and stuff like that. So, uh, they need this one just as much as, as any of the teams above them. Couldn't agree more. I'm going to go with Atalanta over AC Milan, um, Bologna over Fiorentina. So. Is that the end for Stololi or if, if, if AC Milan lose or is that? Um, I, I, it's day to day with Pioli right now. So, and he might be gone before these matchups even take place at this point. Um, I'm going definitely Rome over Lazio, uh, in Juve over Frozione and to mix it up a little bit, I'm going to say don't back don't not back Mourinho in a cup competition. I'm going to say Roma. They need that financial money desperately. Mourinho is probably out after this year, and he wants to leave with a trophy, and I think he's going to focus his attention on this cup as much as possible. So that's my prediction. And then right before the break, PSG win the Super Cup. Don't even really know what the Super Cup is, to be quite honest. You might have to educate me, but it's the 12th title. They've won 10 out of the last 11. Boring. Uh, but they're pretty poor in this match. I got to watch some of them. Toulouse just could not put the ball in the back of the net. I don't know. I mean, a, a, a title's a t- or a trophy's a trophy, but Enrique Ball has not you know, amazed me so far, so that's going to be an interesting storyline to see uh, how far they go in the quarter or in the Champions League. Because uh, they probably got the title already wrapped up here, but I think he'll be given more than one year. But still, you'd like to see that project evolve a little bit more at this stage. Yeah, of course, Kylian Mbappe gets a, a goal as well and a, a great finish um, from a great player. Is not surprising to be honest. Um, for just so you're aware, Daniel, the the Super Cup is the uh, the winner of the league as well as the winner of the French Cup. So it's it's basically um, you know kind of one of those throwaway trophies, but a, a win is a win. Trophy is a trophy. Uh, the big news, of course, coming out of the Super Cup is that uh, Kylian Mbappe announced that he has not made his decision yet as far as where he is going. Classic. So, um, of course, never never fails to have some drama around him. Uh, that'll be interesting. Also states that once he knows where he's going this year, Daniel, he's announcing it. He's not waiting till May like he did last year. So we'll see how that goes. God bless. The man just likes to have the hype around himself. Let's just leave it there. But uh, as you wait, mentioned, real quick, yeah. So, so basically, the community shield at the start of the season for the prem is the same thing, just at a different. Okay, got correct, it. correct. Awesome. Yes, you are correct. But you can learn something new every day. Learn something new every day. But yeah, it'll be uh, it, not much of a trophy. Twelfth uh, title, like you mentioned, ten of ten of the last eleven. Um, one of those projects that uh, one of those trophies that you would expect PSG with the the most talented roster to win year in year out. But as you mentioned. We are taking a break. We'll be right back. Uh, Again, do not fail to follow us on X. Engage with us over there. Um, We're going to be doing a lot more of that this year. You can also download, like, subscribe the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
please leave us a five-star rating as well. And on the other side of the break, Daniel, there's a lot of news happening in the sport right now. Um, so we'll get to some of that. We'll look at you know the impacts of AFCON and Asia Cup coming up, as well as the transfer window is open. And it's a Thursday show, folks, so we have to give you some predictions for the weekend. So we'll be right back on the other side of the break to take care of all that. And welcome back. Daniel, I mentioned before the break, there is a big, big storyline that is now going to take shape for a lot of the players and teams across Europe. Of course, we are talking about AFCON, which is the African Federation of Nations, African Federation of Nations. If I remember, if I got that almost correct, Cup of Nations. There we go. Missed the C. And of course, there's the Asian Cup. Um, which will be taking players um, from a lot, a lot of teams across Europe for potentially up to a month, depending on how far some of these teams go. They will have major implications across a lot of times, as well as potentially some relegation battles for some teams as well. So we'll we'll try and go through a lot of these here for you as best we can. Um, there's a handful. I'm looking at a list right now that has about 12 impact players. Um, there's probably more depending on who you root for. But Daniel, let's start off here. Who is your biggest uh, name and, and impact? Of course, Mosala, I think, is on everyone's list um, for Liverpool. But give me another name that may not be on everyone's mind here that's going to make a huge impact for one of these teams going forward? Um, I'd have to say it's a tie between Kudus for West Ham and Sun for Spurs. Wow. No, like no, no bony face for Bayer Leverkusen who are in a title race or... After I saw Schick step up with that hat trick, uh, I my worry of Leverkusen saddle push got a little bit less. So I'm going to stick with these choices. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to go with Victor Boniface. Again, he's been so important for Bayer Leverkusen, and they need every player at the highest level they can play at to beat Bayern Munich. Um, we've seen just what that team can do. Of course, they will have some of their own players out, um, Kim in the back and Ms. Rowley, so both defensive players that will be gone for them. Um but again, the way that that team is played, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, that is, with bon Victor Boniface up top, I think he's going to be such a miss for them. And again, depending on how far some of these teams go, you could be looking at three, maybe four games gone. And, and how much, similar to what we've talked about with Mo Salah for Liverpool, how, how much damage can be done for Bayer Leverkusen during that period? And, and, and can they make that up when they do get him back? Of course, you're also looking at a player like uh, Garassi from Stuttgart, uh, of course, they're not necessarily in the title race, but a great season so far for them. That could impact Champions League or European football for them, which would be a huge loss given how strong they've been to start this season. Um, so for me, you know, that's that's those are the two big player or the big play, the biggest impact for me um, is Victor Boniface. But you're also, like I said, looking at Garassi, you, you could look at a player like um, from uh, Real Sociedad, like Kubo. Um, who, who is a huge loss for them. You know, again, Champions League starts February 15th or something like that. And depending on how far Japan goes, he could be out until February Which 13th. They're going to go far. Yeah, they will. So, you know, he's going to miss that first leg of the Champions League, which for Real Sociedad is a huge, huge loss. Um, we've also 
you know, we've even mentioned uh, Osimen for, for Napoli, uh, Minamino um, again for Monaco, um, you know, Hakimi and Kang for PS. I mean, there are a lot of players here, Daniel, is what we're getting at that are going to be gone, um, that are going to have a huge impact. Now, the only team, well, one of the main teams that does not have anyone going to either tournament. I don't know how or if this was by design or there's a genius in his, in his head that says, you know what, every couple of years, I'm going to lose a player for four weeks here, is Manchester City. They do not have anyone going to either of these tournaments. They are getting completely unscathed by this. And not only that, Daniel, but they're getting healthier. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne was on the bench for the last game, didn't play. Erling Holland should be back. So it goes both ways, right? This this has a huge impact negatively, but also positively for some teams. And I'm curious if there's any team besides City, because we know regardless if they had team players lost, they would be in, in good place. But um, who who has the biggest impact, you know, not just player-wise, but team-wise for you here? Um, I would say like a team like Villa or Brighton who are kind of still in the mix here, uh, if they can get healthy during this time when, you know, we mentioned, you know, I mentioned Sun, you know, they're also going to be missing Basuma and Saar in that midfield core. That is going to be a big loss. So like we could see like a, a Spurs team really struggle. Um, I don't, sorry, JH, but I just don't see Skip, you know making and filling those boots hey don't knock oliver skip johnny hayes will come after you oh he, that's God. his boy a 45 year old uh he looks like a 45 year old anyways but um yeah so i would say like brian if they can get healthy aston villa can you know solidify themselves above spurs here um i know nico jackson is is going to be missing but uh, with Nkuku being back, maybe Chelsea can make up some ground uh, with like a team like West Ham who are going to really miss that spark that Kudus brings. Um, he's been probably their best player other than Paqueta all season, and he's the one that's been putting the balls in the back of the net. So um, stuff like that, uh, you know, we didn't mention, um, you know, let's see here. I think Milan, AC Milan is going to really struggle um, with Chukweze and Ben Asser being injured or being out. But I also think, you know, that plays into Inter Milan and uh, Juventus solidify themselves as the two who, and we already kind of knew that, but that really, you know, solidifies the two separating themselves from the others. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Milan copes, you know, with Napoli right behind them. And, you know, Fiorentina and Atalanta and Roma still in the mix there. Roma's missing Asmund and Indica. Not huge exclusions there. But, you know, these, these like, three, four spots in, in um, the table can really have a financial hit, not even a team hit here. So that's kind of what the storyline and how I've been looking at it, like who's really going to suffer. And, you know, PSG is probably really glad that, you know they've already kind of done and dusted the league because Akimi missing Akimi and, and Kang is gonna it's gonna hurt them quite a bit. Yeah, you mentioned you know I, I kind of alluded to a team like Bayer Leverkusen and, and their title hopes here, but you you nailed it right on the head. You know there's a lot of implications here. Um, so not only third fourth place relegation potentially you know a player like Idris Gay from, you know, Everton, if he's gone for a while, he's a big play piece in their midfield. 
Um, you know, that, you know, you're looking at a relegation battle for them right now. Um, you know, you mentioned Bill Bow, Inaki uh, Williams, who's going to be gone. Could that impact the fourth place position for them? We already touched on Real Sociedad with, with Kubo as well. You know, they're, they're the, and again, we, the more we talk about this, the more names that keep coming out of our mouths, you know, Milan with Chiquese and, and Benacer, you know, there's just continually adding people to this list as we talk about it. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see who comes out of this unscathed. Of course, we even talk about a team like Nottingham Forest, who's going to lose six of their starters to this tournament uh, across the board. So um, there's teams that are going to be decimated. There's teams like City that are not going to be touched. Um, and, and it's an interesting one that I think a lot of people are not really sure why this tournament is done or these two tournaments are done midway through the season, Daniel. And I think it's an interesting discussion to have um, going forward. Of course, I don't know the actual reasoning as to why these tournaments are when they are why they can't be moved to the summer, like the Euros and Copa America, which we'll have as well, which have no impact um, on, on European leagues. Of course, MLS will have some impact from that, uh, things like that. But why we can't have a universal schedule for some of these tournaments. You've heard a player like Kubo come out and say he's so upset that he has to leave Real Sociedad for this extended period of time. And he doesn't know why these tournaments can't be played in the summer. You know, it's going to make a huge impact. It, it impacts the player themselves. You know, they, they put in so much work and commitment to get their team in the best place they can on the table. And then they have to just, you know, depart for, for almost a month. Um, and so I'm just curious, you know, if you have any thoughts as to why, or, or any reason to why this might have been a tournament or set of tournaments that is played in the middle of a season. I do have a few thoughts. One, it's maddening that it's still happening. I mean, I guess we did see a World Cup in 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 the middle of the season. So Yeah, but really, everyone at least had to shut down at the same time that is for true. that, which is different. That is true. Um I just I hate it because the the AFCON and the Asian Cup I feel like they really are a minority of of players in in the world of football, especially in the top leagues, Europeans, especially European leagues, especially. So it's it's a real shame that could this inherently hurt their value when teams are going to go get them if they know that their player is going to be gone for a month of the season. You know, like obviously with Liverpool back in the day, with they had Mane and um, Salah and Matip. I don't think that did play a factor, thankfully, but you could see teams making a case of, okay, we could get these two exact players, A and B, but one will be gone for a month and one won't. Who are they going to like select? They're probably going to select the person who has availability because availability is the best ability. So it's really frustrating, especially when you know soccer is pretty dead in the summers. So you can actually get to watch these games and discover some African and Asian talent that you probably haven't seen before. So, I mean, obviously I'm going to watch it and enjoy it and we'll be covering it here on the show, but I really wish it would be, you know, in the dead part of summer where I can really, you know, watch most of the games and maybe come up to with some conclusions of players that could be on the move here. So pretty disappointed about it, but Hey, any content is good content for us in our football listeners. So I guess I'll take it as it comes, but, do have a little conspiracy theory here. You know, you mentioned Forrest missing quite a few players. Do you think that's why they moved on with Steve Cooper? 
and and moved in with Nuno to get a spark because they're going to need every single point they could get, especially with the FFP as well as the exclusions for AFCON. Did not think you were going there at all. Um, so that is a, I need to wrap my head around that one. It's an interesting thought. I, I don't think it has any impact into their decision, to be honest. Uh, I think it was just that the management wanted a change and credit to them. They've, they've had a manager bounce going into this. Um, we'll see what happens. Of course, he has the good thing about Forrest is that he has about a hundred players on his roster to figure out the best 11 while they're gone. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting one. Of course, please, you know, let us know, chime in on X at full-time roundup, uh, for any thoughts around AFCON or Asian cup, if we missed anything, or if anyone knows specifically why these tournaments are in the summertime, we'd love to hear from you guys, educate us a little bit as well. Um, of course, Daniel, you mentioned, you know, kind of, uh, the way that some of the teams have, have scaled and, and ways that they're picking players potentially because of this. I think one of the things that, you know, may have been a factor. And again, please let us know. We're just kind of um, projecting here a little bit. Probably should have done a little bit more research on this, but uh, the sport has changed so much over the years, right? And I think maybe there was an element of at some point where let's do it in the summer because there is a little bit of a, a talent gap um, for, for some of these players. But now, again, we just listed off 15 players, but even get to Onana from, you know, United. There's dozens of players that we're not mentioning that are some of the best players in the world. And so I think there, there has been a shift in the way the sport has been evolving and, and the smallness, if you will, of the sport just becoming more talented across all facets of the world, you know, South America, Asia, United States, or North America, Europe, et cetera. So it is interesting. Um, again, we don't know the real reason. So let us know if, if you do know, but with that being said, there is opportunity, Daniel, for some of these teams to reload um, to fill some of those holes. Of course, the transfer window is officially open as of January 1st. There are a few teams that are making some moves, or at least it seems that way. Um, we have heard, or it is confirmed, um, that City have agreed to uh, a Chevry, and I'm going to butcher that name, so if you have it correctly, Daniel, I know you chimed in the other day on it, uh, from Argentina. He is a, a new wonder kid, 17 years old, that they've agreed to deal with, um, so that is done. We also have been hearing Jaden Sancho is going to be on loan from Manchester United to Borussia Dortmund. Um, good riddance for that. Good luck to him and Borussia Dortmund. I think uh, Manchester United could not wait to get him off their roster. He will still be on the books. They will pay, it sounds like a $3 million fee, loan fee um, to Manchester United, but salary will still be covered by United. So an interesting loan there. Of course, I think the the ramifications for that is if if Jaden Sancho gets into the lineup, plays well for the next six months, they can move him on a little bit easier or recoup some of that um, you know fee that they paid earlier. Uh, the other big one that we keep hearing about is uh, Connor Gallagher to Spurs. No real concrete news here yet on this one, um, but this this just continues to find its way through uh, the, the channels and, and the rumor mill. It'll be interesting to see if Chelsea and Spurs get a deal done, of course, rivals in London, um, and, and what that looks like. Is it a loan deal? Is it a permanent move? Uh, an interesting one to make. And and again, the willingness of two rivals to, to make a deal um, will be interesting. But uh, of course, tons more rumors and transfers that may happen. I don't think 
you know, we both agree, I think, uh, there aren't going to be any major blockbuster deals in January. There was rumor of Chelsea going after Ivan Tony or, or Osimhen for $130 million. I don't see that happening in, in this window, but um, you may think otherwise, Daniel. But anything else that stands out to you as far as big deals in January that get done or just deals that make an impact? You mentioned Spurs. Um, they're looking to sign a center back. It seems like Dragusin is the guy they had their sights on. Also, Todibo. Um, so that's that's one that will really help strengthen that back line that they've they've needed pretty bad. I mean, you can't just have Dyer and Emerson Royale and Ben Davies starting as your center backs. That just can't happen. But Mickey Vandeven's back. Um, he's looking like he's back in training. So maybe that curbs that that need there. Um, I've been trying to rack my brain all day for a big signing, a big splash. I mean, we mentioned Indrik and, and Victor Roque um, already. Uh, Roca made his debut today against Las Palmas. Looked pretty good. Looked hungry. I could see him actually replacing Lewandowski in the lineup sooner rather than later. Um, I'm trying to think of, is there anyone? I could see there are some big names in MLS that could be on the move. So look for like a Tiago Almada, who's actually a fantastic player, land himself somewhere in a good team in Europe. Uh, I think he's probably the biggest name. Um, Duncan McGuire. Uh, this U.S. kid who came out of nowhere for Creighton and just took the MLS by storm last year. Um, so that's another one I'd keep my eye on too. But no big blockbuster signings. Just I would feel like most of these teams are going to get lesser names just to kind of add to depth here. But no like starting caliber player. I, I, I'm I excited to talk about Sancho at some point just to see if he can, you know, get back to fitness as soon as possible, or is it going to take a while for him to ease back in? Like you mentioned, he hasn't been playing football for a pretty long time, but it just reeks of desperation. So it could be a boom or a bust. Who knows? But if he could get back to his Sancho at Dortmund days, that would uh, be a pretty cool watch. And maybe Ten Hag's not even going to be, you know, in the picture in a coming, you know, uh, in the summer. So maybe he'll have his shot at getting back into that squad. It will be interesting to see you mention a couple MLS teams as well. Zach Steffen going back to MLS from Manchester City, signing with Colorado Rapids, of, uh, as well as Georgi Mihailovic, who is uh, from AZ Akmar, rumored to be with Charlotte FC, but he also will be joining Zach Steffen in Colorado for the Rapids. Um, so that is an interesting one. Daniel, you also mentioned, and I did hear this a while back, I wonder if it happens in January, potentially Robert Lewandowski moving to the MLS is a potential move for him. If you're Barcelona and someone offers you a good chunk of money, especially with Victor Roque coming in and, and playing well and then some other pieces there, I don't know how you take you don't take that money, especially given their financial situation. So keep an eye out for that. What's no it worth, you think? There. That's a good question. I mean, I don't know what the limitations are from an MLS perspective. So there's if he goes to MLS, I think there has to be something there. Of course, DP players they have unlimited cap, or is there there are the cap plus the transfer fee doesn't like play into effect yeah, anymore. So, so I mean, you could spend whatever. You could I could see depending on where he goes. You know, if, if someone wants to make a big splash, um, one of the big clubs like LA LAFC or, or LA Galaxy or NYCFC, Miami Inter Miami is probably fully loaded at this point. I don't know if they spend as enough. Forty million. Um, you think forty million? He still, he I mean, went to Barcelona for 40. Ugh. I mean, 
He went to Barcelona for 50, I think, if I remember correctly. I think if someone offers him, if someone offers Barcelona between 30 and 40 million, I don't know how they turn that down. There's only a few clubs in MLS that can do that. Um, there's only a few man, a few owners that could afford that. So it, it narrows the list. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if you're Barcelona. Otherwise, why would you take that deal? I mean, if, unless things are that dire. Um, but again, if you're looking at someone paying over, you know, over 30, I don't, I don't see them saying no to that. That's fair. Uh, I would, I could see Lewandowski moving after, you know, after the season, right? So in the summer, you know, yeah, in yeah. the summer. So that would be midway through MLS. I, I think that's a lot more likely because you gotta, you can't just put it all on Victor Roque and Ferran Torres, who hasn't been amazing this year. So I think they would wait till after the season, but I could see it. I think the biggest um transfer fee was from miguel Almaron, and that was 26 million no, wait no that was to newcastle i was trying to look it up on the fly incoming transfers tiago mata was 15.9 million so almost 16 rounded up robert lewandowski would shatter that record obviously i don't think any mls club would be willing to go over 25 million at this point in time for any player um but you know i could be wrong and this could be when MLS clubs start spinning, I mean, hell, we just mentioned Colorado building an actual competent roster. I haven't seen well, that let's, in decades. Let's slow down. Let's slow down about competent roster. They've got some pieces. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, that's fair. But yeah, we'll keep. I mean, we'll every week we'll we'll kind of go over the the signings as they happen. Nothing. It's early, so nothing crazy has happened. But I'm sure that deadline day pod will go crazy. Um, so I'm looking forward to. To discussing that with you in the future now um predictions our favorite part of the show here we do have a limited schedule but we still i still picked out one two three five games um for us to to talk about and i'll probably start with the game of the week here liverpool arsenal fa cup tie um how do you think this match is going to go couldn't have been a worse draw for either team especially at this round of the tournament fourth round in the fa cup um Oh, man, Arsenal Arsenal could use a result. I said that after the West Ham game, and they laid an egg against Fulham as well. Um, by the way, there can be draws here, as we did just see today with Crystal Palace and um, and Everton, so there will be a replay for that game at 0-0. I don't want to put a draw. I want to give a winner for this game. I will say 1-0 Arsenal. No, not against anything against you. I just think Arsenal are due to get a result. I think it's a tight match. One nil Arsenal. It's at Arsenal at the no no. What is their stadium Emirates. called? They're at the Emirates. Emirates. Um, Arsenal are due. I I think this will end in a draw, and I'll have to go to a second cup. Uh, I think replacing Salah, it'll take a game or two to kind of get used to that. So I could see Liverpool struggling slightly with just adapting here. Um, I'm gonna go. 1-1 draw here. Pretty tight contested match. Should be a fun match to watch, though. Um, but I, I, I disagree with you slightly. Um, we also have a, a pretty fun matchup here. S haven't seen this one in a while since Sunderland uh, got relegated in, again and then again and then promoted. Um, but uh, it's a derby. Uh, I don't know what the derby's big, called. But big derby. Know what it's called? 
I have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure it's the Sorry team. to put you on the spot. Tynesdale Tyne, Derby. Tyneside or Tynesdale? Yeah, Tyneside Derby. I said Tynesdale Tyneside earlier. Derby. Tyneside Derby. Yeah. And boy, do they hate each other. So They this really be do. Raucous. This one might be the FAK, FA Cup game of the week here. Um, Newcastle are struggling, so I'm, I'm sure Sunderland will be looking their chops ready to to give them a to give them the go. How do you think? I think it's at uh, Sunderland too. What's your prediction? Boy, um, Eddie Howe is struggling mightily right now. Um, how can you take Sunderland? But this is a derby. You just throw the Joe windows. Bellingham. Records. You just throw the records buddy? out the window. I'll take I'll take Sunderland. Uh, two two nil. Two nil. Two nil. Wow. I'm gonna go Newcastle. Big bounce back game, but not on the scoreline. Just as a result, I'm gonna say two one Newcastle. Really, really out there pick. I like that from you. <laughs> Wolves, Brentford. Um, one of these weird games. Thomas Frank has been struggling. Gary O'Neill's men have been hot as of late. But we didn't even mention Wolves missing uh, Wong. I didn't. I didn't even realize that. And Mario Lamina. Shit. My, my fault, guys. But they are going to be missing two key players here. Are the goals going to dry up as Huang is gone? Don't know, but who is your prediction? Brentford, 1-0. Not confident about it. And again, like we said before, you're, we just keep naming names that are just so important that are going to be gone um, as part of the, the AFCON and Asia Cup. And it's just continue. You just can't you keep forgetting people. So, yeah, give me Brentford, 1-0. Just a bump on that, Johan Vissa will be out and Onyeka for, for Brentford. Uh, two lesser names, so that's why we didn't include them. But that will hurt their attack in their midfield. I'm going to go 1-1 one, one draw here. I think this will be replayed as the teams are filling out their their gaping holes in their midfield and, their, and up top. Uh, Juve Salantana, part two. They just played today. Juve beat that ass 6-1. Will Solitana turn over again, or will they give them a result? Solitana, to be fair, went up 1-0, but then conceded six in a row. <laughs> How do you see this result? I think, you just, I think you just nailed it right there. Of course, that was Copa Italia today. It'll be for the league on part two. Not 6-1, maybe, but I think 3-1. Juve uh, get the result, uh, and they keep pace with Inter in Syria. Uh, has El Allegri's team ever scored six before? That's got to be a record, I feel like. But I'm gonna. It's go almost off. like that game when Diego Simeone was so surprised that they scored five, and he was like upset that they did it. So it's probably the same same feeling for Allegri. Couldn't agree more. Um, I'm gonna say four zero Juve, and then the last on the docket, Roma versus Atalanta. You know, this is kind of a legacy game, really big game as two teams are trying to fight for top four here. Who do you got, Jose or Gasparini? Boy, give me Jose. I, I love me some Jose. You know this, uh, and I think this is a big, a big game for them. Again, in the table, it's not. You know, we're not in the cup in this instance. There's, of course, you mentioned a, a light schedule here, Copa del Rey, uh, but they're pretty early in the in the tournament. So a lot of the big teams are playing division three or division four clubs. So not many huge matchups in that tournament. Uh, we've mentioned FA cup for, for England. So yeah, this is the only real league going um, as some of the other leagues are still, still off Copa de France still going as well. Uh, so there's not much, you know, domestic play. Yeah. Roma, Roma's Roma needs it. Um, give me Roma two one. I'm going to go Atalanta here. 
uh, which I'll probably end up regretting this pick, but it's hard to it's hard to choose against Roma at home. But two very opposite minded coaches here go at it. So it should be an interesting affair. Don't know if this will be your one map game. I think all the Copa del Rey and the French games and the FA Cup really boring ones could be all your nap games for you. Um, so sorry I didn't have a you know light schedule. Thousand, light schedule. Light schedule. That's true. That's By the way, those though. two teams, Atalanta and Roma, right behind each other in the table. Um, one point separating those two. So a huge, huge result here. Of course, both teams only two points behind Bologna for fifth. So um, a big, big matchup here, even though it's you know one of those off-the-radar games, especially with how light the schedule is. So yeah, especially given all that context, give me Jose Mourinho. I think he's going to get it done. Thank you for turning in to another midweek game, or sorry, pod of the full-time roundup, or as Matt, you said, what is it was a midweek roundup. But uh, as always, please like, subscribe, download, rate our podcast, five stars specifically. That really helps us spread our brand. Follow us on Twitter at Full Time Roundup. Um, follow Matt at Life of Gesslin. Follow myself at Liverpool CLTFC. We will be back on Sunday. Um, and uh, we hope you enjoy the games.